and welcome to From the Hawk's Nest, a podcast here at Quincy University. I am your host, Matt Bergman, a 1999 alum and Director of Development, Alumni, and Community Relations here at this fine institution. And today on the episode, we are talking with Professor Nora Baldner, who is uh, um, a faculty member here at the university and teaches in our communication program and has specific responsibility for running our digital television studio, our Quincy Media Incorporated television studio, to be exact. And uh, Nora, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Good to be here. We are glad you took a little time out of your busy schedule to join us and wanted to get started today with talking about your road to Quincy University, how you came here, and you've had a lot of experience in, in the uh, communication industry. So unlike uh, some other people we've, we've talked to here on the podcast who have been more the traditional academics, um, you've kind of come in from a different angle and have uh, had quite a bit of experience. So tell us about your journey to QU. Oh, uh, that's interesting. So this is my seventh year, just starting seventh year, fall 2020. Wow. <laughs> Time goes fast, yes. doesn't it? Um, and it was interesting. Uh, you know, my my path here was um, because of a very sad, unfortunate incident. So when Dr. John Schleppenbach passed away unexpectedly, there was a you know, a gap in the faculty and in the department. And Travis Yates, who is our other, is another communication professor here at QU, reached out to me. And at the time I was the news director at KHQA here in town. And he said, can you help me out? I need to, you know, finish this semester and figure a few things out. And, you know, Matt, as you know, the news director's job is is pretty intense and hands-on and especially during the day. So I simply didn't have the time to give to Travis at that time. But I, I jokingly said, well, you know, hey, call me if it ever, if you ever need more help. I can't do it now, but call me in the future. And so that summer after he had uh, completed that semester and, you know, had worked out a few things, he called and said, hey, you want to go to lunch? And I thought, oh, I wonder what this is about. So you know, we did, we, we, we got together and Travis and I worked together at WGEM back in the day. He was, he had a couple jobs at WGEM, but I worked most closely with him when I was the assignment editor and he was a producer. And in a newsroom, those two positions are, are pretty, um, you know, we work very closely together because one kind of assigns the uh, content to the reporters and then one puts it together in a show format. So you have to really be, you know, communicating with each other. And so we, you know, we went out to lunch and kind of reconnected and um, he said, hey, we're, we're going to have this position open. You know, what do you think? And my first response was to work with Travis again would be amazing because we really did have a, a good working relationship at WGEM. And at the time, there were some changes going on at KHQA with ownership groups and um, it was going in a direction that was different than what I had expected it to be. So, you know, through some some talking and, and some um, visualizing of the future and some planning and different things, went through the interview process at QU and, and, uh, and got hired. So that's kind of how it started. And you have some unique experience because you have been both behind the scenes in a, in a television newsroom for a TV station 
but you've also been in front of the camera. So uh, kind of tell us about your early years. <laughs> well, <laughs> I started, I went to, I went to Mizzou. I went to Mizzou for grad school and got my master's in uh, broadcast journalism. I've done everything in the newsroom, even sports and weather. Um, well, sports, let me, let me clarify that. Sports was in school. I covered the, the Mizzou Tigers basketball, and I also got to go to a Blues game. And that's a fun story that I tell in class. So if you ask me later, I'll tell you about my Blues experience. Okay. But um, I did weather once in Springfield because I was on the morning show there, and the weather gal had slept in, and we all do it once. You know, I mean, getting up at three in the morning is hard. And then there's always one time that you that you miss. And so they said, well, you can just just read the weather. So I did. And then they never let me do it again because I was terrible. <laughs> I was terrible. And I said things like it could be 60. It could be 80 today. We don't know. It's not raining. Look outside. You know, it was I was flustered. I was caught off guard. I was young. I was inexperienced. I so they said, okay, well that won't happen again. So, um, so my my forte was news, and um, you know I, I liked hard news, investigative news, breaking news, that sort of thing. So I've I've and especially in a market this size, you do everything. You know, sometimes you're producing, sometimes you're reporting, sometimes you're just being the photographer, sometimes you're you know that's so. I did have experience with all of that. I worked in technically three media markets, so Columbia, Jeff City, Quincy, and Hannibal, and then Springfield. Um, so that was, you know, that was fun to at least see it from three different ownership groups, different um, strategies, different philosophies, that sort of thing. So, yeah. And, of course, uh, you worked uh, for Quincy Media Incorporated at the time, Quincy Newspapers. Yes. Um, our owners of the WGEM affiliate here in Quincy, and they, of course, have been extremely generous to us here at Quincy University and have helped us to establish all of these studios that we are actually sitting in now, and uh, specifically our broadcast studio, the Quincy Media Inc. broadcast studio with all digital television equipment, and our students are really coming out with just such great opportunities and such great experience. And that kind of leads us to our next um, question here, talking about your program specifically. So the communication program here at Quincy University. What can you tell us about the program and what makes it unique and different? Sure. Well, first of all, the studio is, and, and we talk about the studio a lot and we brag about it a lot, but it is well-deserved because it is industry standard. And, you know, it's you can say that to students and they kind of nod and smile and they don't, you know, it's it's not really understood until you get out there and you realize that you walk into your first job and you look at the equipment and it's, it's the exact same you had at school. You're like, I know how to use this. And so that's a huge leg up for our graduates because a lot of schools, you know, have budgetary restraints and they, you can put a studio together that is more consumer grade and you can learn on that. And that's fine. And QU did that for, you know, many years. We did have... We've had several iterations of, of a broadcast studio, um, but this one truly is, the I, I believe, the first time that it's not kind of, you know, um, shopping for parts on B&H photo <laughs> websites and putting things together, which works. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. It, it's fine, but it's more of the consumer-grade um, setup and situation. And so now we have this um, control room that basically 
mimics what WGEM has in their properties. Well, in WGEM and then Q, you know, QMI has in there also all of their properties. So just the experience alone of working with that equipment is, you know, a, a real leg up and a real step up. And it's something that, you know, when you're putting your resume together under skills, you know, a lot of beginner students put, I'm organized and I communicate well. And so I say, okay, erase that and put, I know how to use a Ross video carbonate switcher. So, you know, you get the, you get the industry language in there for people who are hiring and that sort of thing. But beyond that, the whole program, the communication program really, you know, don't we, don't we recognize, especially after this pandemic, how important clear and truthful communication is. So what we really focus on is teaching students how to create original content. Okay. So at the end of the day, that's truly where they need to exist. Because if you work for a corporation, um, a business, uh, an agency, a not-for-profit, a hospital, wherever you go, there's going to be a time in your career when someone looks at you and says, can you write that up for me? Can you put that on social media? Hey, what should we do about our website, right? Yeah. So we really try to focus on how do you recognize, curate, and, cre- and create original content. That's really kind of the name of the game. To the point where we've started to say, hey, call each other content creators. And what that looks like is you do an interview with someone, you get some information, you do a little bit of research, and you either write a blog, do a podcast, do a television show, et cetera, et cetera. We also have very traditional, um, this semester we are doing a QUTV Sports This Week program. Last semester we did QUTV News This Week, but because of the interest and the majority of the students are um, very focused on sports, broadcasting, we're, you know, we've switched the content of our show uh, in, the, in the broadcast communication division. But we have three degrees, basically. We have... Um, public relations and strategic communication, and then we have multimedia journalism. And then within those two tracks, we also have sports communication. We have a lot of athletes on campus, so it's really great that we can take, you know, two degrees and then give them an emphasis in sports communication, sports broadcasting, sports reporting, that sort of thing. So the degree has a really nice handshake between the practical, hands-on the equipment, and academic research and, um, you know, study. By the time you graduate, you put together a portfolio that shows everything that you've accomplished and done in your research. You still have to do research papers. You know, it's not all grabbing the camera and going. You have to still do the academic side of it. So it's, it's really, I really enjoy the classes where we come in and we put, hands-on equipment and talk into mics and talk into cameras and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I enjoy doing that with students. What do you say that if, if you had to kind of drill down and pick, what, what is it that you love about QU Ugh. and our students and, and, and your program? Yeah. I, oh, it's for sure the students, but also, you know, I, I reflected on this with Travis after my first couple of years. Um, it's when the light bulb goes off. It's when you see the freshman or the transfer student come in 
and they have no clue how to do what you're trying to teach. And over the course of a little bit of time, they suddenly kind of go, oh, and then they create something phenomenal. And that's when, like, I think first we surprise them and then they surprise us. So it's definitely the the light bulb moments that go off. And I think that, you know, I have a lot of friends in larger schools that teach. So I've got a friend at ISU and I've got one at Bowling Green in, in Ohio. And our conversations are the same. It's that moment of discovery that makes everything worthwhile. And you can do that in a class of five and you can do that in a class of 30, which we have, you know, both here too. Um, so I think it's just that it's the thing that you can't really measure. I don't know if I'm making sense, Matt, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know what I mean? like, I mean, I can give out grades and you can do the work and you can earn a grade, but the real learning happens in the middle of that, you know, like the grade and the diploma and the procedure that students go through is great and rigorous and it has a purpose, but the, the fun stuff is when especially after they graduate and, you know, a few months out, they contact you and say, hey, remember that one time we did that one thing in class? My boss just asked me to do that. <laughs> you know, and it's got to like, be a great feeling. Yeah, and you're like, okay, then good. You know how to do it. And they're like, yeah, I totally know how to. So that's fun. I like that. But it, also at QU, I'll tell you what I really like at QU is the, is the, the humble Franciscan spirit and the servant leadership idea. Um, because I think in today's world, that's that's where we have to go. That's what's going to get us out of this pandemic, and you know, yeah, and I that, think it's and, important. And that's a great segue to our next question, which we will get to after we take a short commercial break, and we'll be back with more uh, of our discussion with Professor Nora Baldner uh, from the Communication Department here at Quincy University. You're listening to From the Hawk's Nest. Ashley Van Camp dreamed of working as a high school counselor, but needed a master's degree to get that position. The graduate program at Quincy University provided a way for Ashley to complete her master's degree while working full-time and land her dream job. To continue on your road to success, visit quincy.edu today. And welcome back to From the Hawk's Nest. We're chatting today with Professor Nora Baldner from our communication department here at Quincy University. And, of course, we're in a, our podcast studio that Nora oversees at North Campus. Um, and, you know, Nora, the whole ind- industry has changed a lot, um, and communication has changed a lot, but probably never so much as in the past six to nine months with this global pandemic. So what, what in your opinion, has been the lesson that we've learned out of this whole thing and how has your teaching changed and kind of give us an insight to everything that's different uh, due to the pandemic. Wow. Well, for starters, I'm probably muffled because I have a mask (laughs) on and I have a shield on my head, right? Mm -hmm. I think we've learned to, and and if you're hearing a click, that is my shield hitting the microphone. Are you hearing that, Micah? No? Okay. Um, Talking to our producer. Um, everything has changed. Like that's a, that's a broad, Mm -hmm. everything has changed. And yet our goals are still the same. So we still want 
to reach by the end of the semester, you know, an increase in understanding and learning. So that part hasn't changed, but how we get there certainly has. I think that it is, it's been an, you know, an experiment putting classes online that don't necessarily translate really well online. So that's been, you know, I think everyone's trying their best. I think professors are trying their best. I think students are trying their best. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're making the sausage and you're trying to figure out how this is going to look at the end and we're not really sure. But I think everyone is rowing in the same direction. Um, but, you know, everything has changed. The The chairs are separate. The, the procedure in and out of a studio is separate um, or different. Uh, we we put gloves on to touch the equipment now, just in case. I mean, there's so, there's still so much unknown that we're still trying to navigate the correct process or the correct protocol of what we're doing. Um, personally, coming in, I I just kind of have to suppress the stress <laughs> and you know continue with class and and. You know, we all look different with masks. It's even harder to get to know students a little bit because, you know, you rely so much on facial cues. Um, so I appreciate students like Micah, who I knew already, and he knows, you know, my interesting styles. So he's <laughs> he's he's appreciative of he's rolling his eyes over there on the in the producer's desk. Um, so it's you know it's everything has changed, and yet we're still trying to accomplish learning and grow, personal growth. So that part, that part hasn't changed. What advice would you have for um, prospective students out there, parents of those students? What can you tell them about QU, the communication program, and what, what they might be looking for in the future? Well, let's just, you know, let's talk about the elephant in the room, shall we? Journalism has a bad rap right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it truly does. People, you know, I've heard students say, oh, I'd really like to do that. But my dad, no way, you know. So the problem is, in order to get out of the echo chambers and the filter bubbles and everything that we know is happening to us, um, you know, this new Netflix, The Social Dilemma, I mean, people, I haven't watched it yet, but I know people are watching it. It's on my list. Um, To get out of that, we need truth tellers. And journalists are truth tellers. And for those of you yelling at the podcast right now and saying, no, they're not. Yes, they are. The true journalists seek the truth and they prove, you know, they don't report it unless they can prove that it's true. Don't get confused with political propaganda or satire or comedy or, you know, anything else. Um, The makeup of the industry in the United States is for profit, right? And if you start there and you understand that, Entities that call themselves news operations are trying to make money. They're going to do that by gathering listeners, and they're going to do that by getting people to agree with what they're saying. So our model is flawed, but the pure purpose of journalism is still the pure purpose of journalism. Um, Just as a marketing, you know, earlier in the podcast, I talked about content creation so just even floating that buzzword around instead of journalist is a tiny little marketing ploy by our department to attract students who say, oh, my family would never let me go report. 
But if you can create content, you can still sit in a newsroom and tell the truth. And the truth is going to get us out of this mess. It truly is. And it always does. The truth always comes out, right? We know that. And if it's, you know, 25 years when Library of Congress can release papers that are happening right now in the, in the administration, then that's what it's going to happen. That happened in the Nixon administration, et cetera, et cetera. I won't go down Dr. Coffey's line of, of <laughs> <laughs> um, information, but... So I think to protect two prospective students, you've got to find something that gets you excited about getting up every day. So one of the things that when I'm uh, advising students on their schedules and I say, oh, well, here's an 8 a.m. class, you know, and they go, I can't do, I can't do that. Well, when you find the class that you want to get up for at 8 in the morning, that should be your major, and that should be your degree. So find something that just lights your fire, that interests you, and go after it, you know? Just go after it. And, you know, you can just look at our website on how many different um, degrees and, and opportunities that we have. And, and as you know, Matt, we're very nimble. I think being a small school, we can adjust and we can help people find their way in ways that perhaps larger schools can't. Um, so that's, you know, that's a plus as well. Absolutely. Any, anything else we didn't cover that people <laughs> out there might be wanting to know about Professor Nora Baldner, about the communication program here at QU? Um, you know, I'd, I'd have to say, ask the students. Um, I think that um, asking alumni who graduate and use the skills that they used every day here I think that's proof that, hey, you know, we're really actually teaching you something that you're going to continue to use the rest of your life. I do, Mike has, Micah knows this, I do a lot of grammar tests because, and, and I tell the students, you know what, we, as, an, as a nation, as an education, um, we, we just haven't hammered grammar like we used to, right? The grammar rules and, and sentence structure and verb antecedent, you know, agreements and all that kind of stuff. We haven't done that, so it's not their fault that they come to higher education with gaps in knowledge of grammar. Um, so we, you know, I do a lot of that kind of um, rote or um, kind of difficult, I guess. I don't know. It, it's not pleasant, right? It's more fun to go talk about sports on on a, in a podcast yeah. or on on TV. But what happens is that's the stuff that carries them further than their, you know, their colleagues when they're competing for a job or when they're, when they're doing something. We had an alumni who went to a job interview, even though in part of the description they wanted a certain skill and she didn't have it. But she realized during the interview that, oh, I'm probably not going to get this job, so I'm going to tell them what I can do and use this as an exercise in, in interviewing for a job. So she kind of laid out this whole, well, while I don't have that specific experience, here's what I can do. And here's what I know how, what to do. And she said, I looked at your website and I see you have a gap here. Right. And so she tells this whole story and she, and she actually contacted me after the interview and she said, well, I know I'm not going to get that job because I didn't have X skill. And then about a week later, she calls and she said, 
Not only did they call and ask me and, and say they wanted to hire me, but they wanted to create the job that I described for them that I could do for them. And so she's been there, oh gosh, I think two years and, you know, created her own. And that's the power of communication yeah. because she identified where she could help this company and told them that in a very professional, respectful way, right? And then kind of created her own job. Um, what a great story. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's... It is a wow. great story. Yeah, <laughs> she's yeah she's very successful. And it's really fun seeing students when they graduate, you know, reach those levels of success. And, you know, that's... I think that all funnels back to why we say success by design. Exactly. I mean, you know, we... It's what we preach here. And uh, I think our students and our graduates um, get to live out that mission. Yeah. The other, the other thing about our program that I would say is we, we technically have um, either a four- or a two-year program. So because of our small size, I, I can't, you know, I know that, that marketing, people who market the school have tried to say, you can be on TV in the first semester. Well, not necessarily, unless you're a transfer student with some basic, some, maybe some other experience. And, and I say that because... It's actually difficult to sit down in front of a camera and just start speaking. And it's not something that everyone does perfectly the first time. I certainly didn't. I don't know, Matt, you mm-hmm. tell me your story, yeah. but um, <laughs> it took a while. You know, it's, it's, a different, it's a different skill. So our program stair steps the skill level so that you start with the very basic and you work your way up, right? So... Can you get on TV your first semester here? You know, you have to earn it, actually. And so I think that makes the program stronger, that it's not just, hey, anyone can do this, because it's not that, not that easy, right? Yeah. But what we do do is we, we stair-step you through the skill levels and, the, and the, you know, what does it take to get to the point where you're anchoring a 30-minute show? Well, we'll let you anchor a two-minute show first. And then, you know, we talk about it, we go through that process, and then, and then work your way into, um, you know, the success. We've got a senior right now who is the main anchor on our sports show. And just comparing, you know, his skill level at, at his freshman year to now is, is really rewarding and, and fun, to, fun to watch, for sure. Well, a lot of exciting things happening in our communication department here at QU, and uh, Professor Nora Baldner, we thank you for uh, taking a few minutes out of your day to join us here on From the Hawk's Nest. We will be back again with another episode, uh, talking with alumni around the world, talking with students, faculty, and friars, all learning about that QU and Franciscan perspective. And so uh, we hope you'll join us for a continued versions of this podcast. For now, I'm Matt Bergman, and we thank you for listening, and it's always a great day to be a hawk.